Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Gordon Dean, and this is the Sower's Seat Pod Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Sower's Seed Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Dean. Today I wanted to talk to you about something that I think actually is is not really talked about enough in Christian churches and in uh, in the way that many of us share the gospel, and that is freedom. Now, this is one of those... Again, as often is the case, I had to try to pare this down quite a bit in order to keep it from, you know, TLDNR. The issue is that freedom is something that everybody wants, but the reality is freedom is something that so few actually enjoy. Now, I don't mean to say that people enjoy being enslaved. I think that, first of all, no small number of people don't even realize that they're being enslaved. And then, secondarily, I don't think even necessarily a good number of people who have been set free in Christ actually have the faintest idea of what that means. And in fact, actually, that having been said, I know of uh, Christian sects, well, let me rephrase that, There, there are Christian cults out there that, while claiming to be Christians, while claiming to be followers of Christ, have deliberately set up their own rules to enforce a form of bondage upon their own followers. Now, there are a couple of them that are like this, but one in particular jumps to mind that There is at least one, I believe actually two, but I could be mistaken about that. I'm not doing a bunch of research for this particular talking point, but I know for a fact that there's at least one Christian cult that wants to enforce what basically boils down to old Jewish or kosher law in regard to what they eat. Now, the first place where this falls apart, just let me add my own commentary for just a moment. The first place where this falls apart is they don't actually uh, follow kosher law. They don't eat just kosher foods. But they do avoid things like shellfish or pork or things like that because the Old Testament refers to them as being unclean. And the reason why that's frustrating for me is because Jesus himself said that that was no longer an appropriate way to look at these things. Uh, 
And then God even pointed out to Peter that that's an inappropriate way to look at these things. And, and it goes on. And now, again, I do not, however, want to insinuate that this is the only thing that this group does that qualifies them as a Christian cult. And please, ladies and gentlemen, if, if you are a Christian, and for whatever reason, even taking into account what the New Testament says about the eating restrictions that were placed on Old Testament Jews, but for whatever reason, you know, you, you feel as if a, a vegan lifestyle is more appropriate for you, or you just feel as if going back even further uh, provides you with a more complete sense of, of following God's word. Whatever that is, look, I'm not belittling you, and I'm not trying to change your mind. If, if your reasoning for doing this is, one, individual, and two, is not based upon the law, capital T, capital L, the law that was handed down to the Jews, then that's your choice. And if that's the only place where you're I hesitate to even use the word, but if this is the only place where your theology deviates from mine, we, we're fine. There will never be a fight between us. I don't mean to say that if your theology matches up with mine, then you're right, because it's my theology. I mean, I, I'm never going to dog you about your choice of foods, because I know there are some people who don't like the same foods that I like. And that's, and that's okay. And by the way, for whatever it's worth, that is actually addressed in the New Testament as well. That, that very subject. So what I'm referring to is that there is a, at least one, possibly two, sects that refer to themselves as Christians that impose these eating restrictions upon their, their members in the name of biblical law. Now, there are a number of problems with this. The first one being, ladies and gents, boys and girls, and to all the ships at sea, the law that was handed down to Moses, capital T, capital L, the law, was only for the Jewish people. Was only for Jews. Let me repeat that. The law was only for the Jewish people. 
And you need to kind of keep in mind that this is one of those things that you're, and you're not going to hear me say this very often, but this is one of those things that when you read the writings of Paul, for example, a lot of, a lot of things that he says need to be viewed in a specific context. Uh, during the, the Armor of God podcast, I, I made a, a specific comment about how Paul was using words and imagery that were going to conjure up a very specific image in the mind of the reader because this is the language that they would be familiar with in their time and in their place. And so Paul makes numerous references throughout his letters about the law and about certain things that have to do with the law. And But keep in mind, Paul was a Jew. All of Christ's apostles were Jews. Many of the people in the the initial Jesus movement or the way as it was referred to several times in the New Testament were Jews and in addition to that there were certain sects of this new religion that wanted to keep certain aspects of what they had grown up knowing. In other words, the Jewish law. They, they, they wanted to take the law and kind of add Jesus to it. So there was a great deal of debate in and amongst the the original founders of the Christian church about things like circumcision, for example. And the apostles, the original apostles, the men that walked with Christ here on this earth, actually got together as a group and worked some of these things out. Because the realization was that the 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 law had been fulfilled the original covenant no longer stood because it had been finished it was jesus's word it is finished I said all that to say this if if you Claim to be a Christian and, and you are doing things related to Old Testament law strictly because it's related to Old Testament law, you need to reevaluate what you're doing and look closely at the whole of Scripture. It's pretty specific about that. Okay? Now, there there are boy there are a lot of scriptures in the new testament that address this and so what then does does following the law have to do with freedom or being enslaved well so the first thing is 
I don't know whether to go chronologically or, or, or topically. The first thing, and, and like I said, guys, I, I tried really hard to pare this down. There is so much on this subject. I, 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 I could run out of room on my podcast uh, upload limits. So when Paul is writing to the Romans, uh, excuse me, the church in Rome specifically, uh, in chapter 7, verses 4 through 6, he says, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now that we are released from the law, having died to that which has held us captive, we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Now, again, I, I for whatever it's worth, in regard to this specific subject, I would highly recommend that if you're going to break open your Bible and, and turn to chapter 7 of Romans to look up verses 4 through 6, you just start with verse number 1 and just, just read your way through that chapter. It, it There's there's so much there. And like I said, I, I, I'm trying so hard to keep these things under a, a specific time limit. And it's not easy. So let's kind of, let's deconstruct this just a little bit. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead. In other words, he's, and, and keep in mind, he's, among other things, he's talking to first century Jews. Now, again, the church in Rome had more than just these first century Jews associated with it. But that's a main part of the audience. And what he's trying to get across is that when Jesus died on the cross, the, the shackles of the law died with him. And he goes on to say in chapter 7 that basically the, the purpose of the law was for us to be able to understand what sin is so that we know whether we're sinning or not. And we have a better idea of, again, what sin is. Not just this constitutes a sin, this constitutes a sin. You can do this, you can't do that. You need to do this. But through Christ and his fulfillment of the law, the covenant, all of these things have been brought to completion. And when we take on ourselves the death of Christ, we also take on ourselves the death of any shackles of sin under the old law. Because we belong to him, we belong to Christ, we do not belong to the law anymore. So, again, it, it continues to go on, and, and we jump down to, but now we're released from the law, having died to that which held us 
captive. I, I can't even begin to describe the, the freedom that would come along with that. And, and let me, for a moment, let me, if you, if you really want to understand the gravity of what he just said to his Jewish brethren especially, I would encourage you to go back into the Old Testament. Obviously, a great deal of it is in Leviticus, but you've got Deuteronomy. You've got a couple of different places where the law, capital T, capital L, the law under which the Jews were supposed to be living to honor God is written. And there's so much there, folks. Or if, if you have a friend who is an Orthodox Jew or just even no one that you can reach out, ask him how many how many laws there are in in Jewish law? You don't even have to 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 name all of them because it's like and forgive me if I'm wrong, folks. I, I apologize. I'm just going off memory, but it seems to me there's like a hundred and forty eight or something like that. And again, I apologize if I'm wrong. I'm I'm kind of flying blind here but even at that number you, you you look at these things and you understand you begin to understand that this is <sighs> sorry the word that immediately jumped to my mind was completely inappropriate to describe this but you you see that this law was impossible for men to completely follow 100%. And so with the death of Christ, we are freed from that law because we are bought by his blood because in so spilling that blood, the law was satisfied. Now, this for me, at least in terms of the definitive verse, or verses as the case may be, in the New Testament that regard to the freedom that is brought about by emancipation from the law, and, and this, this, comes, this comes from Jesus' own mouth. Now, one of the things that I personally like about the book of John is that it was written toward the end of his life. Unlike the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that were written uh, not very long after the resurrection of, of Christ, The book of John was written from a completely different perspective in terms of being able to not just look back on Jesus' life and his ministry, but also to, to look back across the intervening years 
to provide a completely different perspective than he could have had had he written it at the time. Okay, so it it gives us a a different feel and a different flavor. Now again, Mark writes differently from Matthew. Um, Luke writes differently from Mark. There's 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 a lot of texture to be had by taking all of the synoptic gospels into account. But look, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of them tell the same stories. Granted, from different perspectives, some have different details that are included versus not. And I and I, I appreciate that because it provides a a, a greater uh, more well-rounded experience in in reading about this, but and, and maybe this is because you know I'm I'm getting older myself, but I I really appreciate John's perspective when he wrote the book about looking back not just on the ministry of Christ, but what what that did. To himself and to the world in the years that followed. So, I'm sorry, this is uh, uh, John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. So, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, yes, by the way, that phrase came from the Bible. It's one of those things where, you know, uh, somebody that doesn't even know Scripture is going to quote Scripture because so much, even to this day, is, is part of our vernacular. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, again, just like the the other one that I mentioned earlier, out of Romans, there's a lot that comes before and a lot that comes after. And and again, I encourage you to go take a look at that passage in the context of, of what was going on. But remember, again, this is one of those where we're not even talking about a mixed audience. This is strictly Jews. I mean, don't get me wrong. There could be a couple of like Jewish converts in there, but this is a, nothing but Jews that he's talking to. And he says to them, if you abide in my word. Now, do you have any idea what it means to abide in something or with something? It means to, to live in it, for it to be a part of who you are, a defining factor. You may have heard somebody say, I cannot abide somebody who is a liar. Meaning, I can't live by not challenging their lies. I cannot live with that person in my life as a liar. I, I, I can't tolerate that to even be a part of, of my, uh, my social distance, if you will. 
So again, keep in mind, this is not, Jesus is not saying, if you do what I tell you to do, he's not saying, if you follow the things that I tell you to follow, what he's saying is, if you abide in my word, if you live according to what I've outlined for you, if you understand what I was sent here to do and what's going to happen afterward, if if you make my gospel a part of who you are, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. And that truth will set you free. And later he goes on to say that if if you practice sin. Now again, keep in mind, folks, this is not if you have a little whoopsie. This is not if you backslide. This is not if you make a mistake. This is not if you screw up. This is if you practice sin. If it is your practice to go do things that you know that you should not be doing, then you are a slave to sin. And I go back to the examples that I've used on so many occasions, drugs, alcohol, pornography. These are things, I promise you, if you make a habit out of doing these things, they will enslave you. And if you don't believe me, Try just walking away from them cold turkey and give it 48 hours. You'll be lucky if you make it 24 before at least part of your brain is going, you know, it's been a while since I've spent some time with that particular DVD. It will enslave you. And keep in mind, folks, again, drugs, alcohol, porn, these are not the only sins that are going to enslave you. Sin itself will enslave you if it is part of your practice, if it's part of who you are. And if it is part of who you are, you cannot abide in Jesus. So keep that in mind, folks. You know, we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. We are Americans. We are a free nation. And yet, we as Christians have a tendency to go back to practicing the sins that enslaved us. And if we're doing that, we are not abiding in Christ. And if we're doing that, we are enslaved. And I would hasten to point out just my own commentary. If you want to take a look around right now, in a world where sin is running rampant, it's running unchecked in this world, We have groups of people 
who think that they are free, being enslaved by these sinful institutions, and even having their regular worldly freedoms taken away from them. So keep that in mind as you're reading things that say those that practice sin are slaves to sin. Because from that will come the rest of their behavior. Jesus said as much. I'm kind of running along here, so I'm going to try to wrap this thing up. Here's the thing, folks. We can't be free if, as long as we are practicing sin or as long as we are subjugating ourselves to the law of Moses. We can't do that. It's not one of those things where, you know, what what relationship does Christ have with Belial? It's, it's not like that. But there is a certain parallel with that in that that law died with Christ on the cross. That's what it means to be a Christian. That the old law that was on uh, uh, tablets of stone has been transferred to the fleshy tablets of our hearts. It resides within us. The law is now Christ. That is the law that we are to be following. Otherwise, we are just simply enslaving ourselves and making our own jobs even harder. Think about that. This has been the Sower Seed Pod podcast, and I'm your host, Gordon Dean. God bless.